Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best... It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the post-Cleveland debacle edition of Sharing Socks. I'm uh, Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And pictured behind him, for those of you just on audio, is uh, Tim Anderson, apparently um, pointing out a seagull up in the sky above Progressive Park uh, that he is hoping the fans will enjoy seeing flying around. Well, he must have been hung up on on some sort of bird flying around in the sky because he couldn't quite keep track of anything on the ground this weekend or this week. So. No, at any yeah. time. I, there's, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, so after the whole Cleveland series, a day later than normal for us. Uh, in the time since our last one, we were saying, well, yeah, team's going along really well, doing great. Luis Robert Boy is going to be the MVP. They have scored... One run three times, three runs four times. And today, they only scored three runs because Cleveland insisted on making yeah. a two-run gift out of a 30-foot dribbler um, that they threw around like a – I mean, a Little League team would be ashamed to do what Cleveland did with that. The defense – I mean, obviously, the White Sox defense has been absolutely horrid. I think the defense generally this season has been terrible. I understand short spring training affects pitchers because they can't get warmed up enough. It really shouldn't affect the ability of infielders to throw the ball to first or catch a bouncing ball or any number of other things. So the White Sox defense is absolutely And I mean, we're, we're dealing with some some high exit velas. Of course, they, they seem to be even higher than normal, but they're not. Uh, and the team that's hitting the ball the hardest, technically, is the White Sox. So they're not fielding their own hard-hit baseballs. 
the defense thing. And, uh, you know, I've been to a few uh, Dodgers games already at this point. I have not witnessed this level of foolishness when it comes to fielding the baseball that I've seen from a lot of these White Sox games, both the White Sox and the teams they're playing against. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I mean, we even got a – it was hit 110 miles per hour, so I understand that that is a hard ball to catch. It was 110 off the bat, but a ball went through the wickets of Jose Abreu today and was ruled a hit. And there's been, and that's, so we actually have more errors example, but it's, than we're credited for. It's not the only one. Uh, actually, the, the one controversial call today where um, Naylor ran into to, uh, Tim on, on a grounder um, over toward third base, a call which I think could have gone either way. I mean, and there there was a legitimate gripe, but it could have gone either way. And I think it only got called the way it did because Tim had already dropped the ball. Exactly. Before exactly. Naylor ran into him. If, if, if Naylor Tim does not run into him, Tim gets error number five of the week. Uh, yes, if, if Tim actually fields that ball. And, and you have to remember, the umpire has a perfect angle to see that play. In, in yeah, he's, ten feet he's, away. He's, he's right there. If Tim has that ball in his glove and Naylor brushes him, Tim's getting that call. Tim's getting that call. And I, I get why Tim was still arguing for that call, but he had already made an error before he even made contact with, with Naylor. And so that is why there's really no argument. And La Russa came out to pretend he's managing this baseball team, which was very cute, but that was never going to get overturned. You can't review it. No one's going to go back and say, you know what? I think actually you're right. He did. It's like that argument of balls and strikes. You're never going to have an umpire just go, you know what, guy? You're right. That was a little low. Let's go ahead and change that. It's never happened. <laughs> never going to happen. Never, ever, ever, ever. Uh, just ridiculously sloppy, terrible fielding. You know, and, and, and Lurie has been a disaster out there, too. Even on stuff that isn't He had a case today of a routine grounder from uh, Ramirez uh, late in the game. I I think in the last inning, the eighth inning, just a routine bouncing ball to second. He's playing so deep, he can't throw out Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez! Well, Ramirez, (laughs) to his credit, always digs out everything hard. But he's not Miles Straw. No, he's not half of miles. Well, he's double miles straw in some ways, but not half of miles straw when it comes to speed. I mean, what the heck was that? That was embarrassing. I realize he's playing deep because somebody told him to play deep. But for crying out loud, that is a routine play. And you don't get a relatively slow third baseman. I just, I'm at a loss for what the heck is going on with with Laurie and in well, the field. Well, let's look at the other direction of what's going on with him because I'm at a loss, as are all of our commenters on Southside Sox. Yeah, this is this, this is going to be the most talked about thing I think right yeah. now. So I'm glad that we're going to be the first podcast there, out now. The, the, the day one it. debacle with all the errors and then Keiko totally falling apart and. Which just, just let, let you wish it he never has to pitch yeah. again. 
Remind um, me to come back to the Keuchel thing after we talk about Larry. Yeah. And, and you know, it, initially it was not his fault. But when you give up eight straight hits, eventually that's your fault. Uh, but then we had, for some reason, in the second game, after getting blown out in game one, we're up against a much easier pitcher in Tristan McKenzie. We have our weakest pitcher in Jimmy Lambert, who did fine. I mean, he did, not great, but as well as you can expect for somebody who's just an emergency feeling who probably will never be a major league regular in his life. No. Um, and puts out, Tony puts out a total bunch of scrap for an offense, other than Grandal, the aging. Um, okay. All right. You, you guys had a rather difficult afternoon game. They got another game coming up in the afternoon the next day. Okay, the, the backups get a chance to play. Leuri is batting third, and then he bats third again today on Thursday when the regulars are in. The only reason he's in the game is that Josh Harrison got hurt falling over uh, uh, Andrew Vaughn, who was doing his best alloy imitation of trying to break everybody else's legs. And what was that? What's he doing batting third? Why isn't he eighth or ninth? Incredible. He's hitting. I I saw a stat somewhere or or, or somewhere, a statement that the combination of batting average that Leary had going into, and he did get a hit, uh, going into Wednesday night's game with his career OPS was the lowest of any number three hitter in the history of the game or the history of such stats anyway. I, it doesn't surprise me at all. I I, I mean, he, he's batting third, and he's got an on-base percentage around 80. This is insane. This isn't like, oh, well, he's not hitting well, but he's walking a lot, you know. Yeah, it's not Grandal. Grandal last year, it was like, okay, the guy's hitting 150, but he's walking three out every four times he goes up there. So, of course, he can bat third, put another guy on for the cleanup hitter. Lurie, I mean, you've got, you're going in the, in the first, or today, you've got Tim Anderson, then Luis Robert, and then Lurie Garcia batting uh, around 50, you know, um, 150 points below the Mendoza line. And what does that say? What, what is even the, the plan there? What are you doing? You're, you, you potentially are putting on two of the fastest guys so that they don't have a chance to score? I I honestly, and I, I'm not asking this facetiously, do you have any idea what the logic would be in putting I, a Lurie Garcia I can't, I read, read our, the comments from our people, who, you know, our, our followers. I mean, SSS followers, not necessarily ours personally. Uh, <laughs> about that today, it just, it's just flummoxed. I mean, it, it's just, what could it possibly be? We all know that Larusa has more faith in Leary than anybody. And both of us like Leary being kept on the team. Although I think we both thought you could have gotten for about a third of what you paid. But um, that, that, the idea of having a guy that versatile and, and, and does a lot of things moderately well uh, is a good guy to have around. And <laughs> not hitting third uh, when you need the team to come out of a hitting slump uh, that they've been in for a week, um, 
And really, almost, I mean, Tim's not even hitting very well anymore. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, who's one of the few hitting really well, didn't play. Uh, I have no idea why. Uh, <laughs> what could that be be about? Uh, it, I don't know. Anything? I I don't have an answer for you on on why Vaughn isn't playing and Laurie's batting third. It's it's like a joke. It's like they're trolling us. And Vaughn, I, and Vaughn is hitting righties well now. We should point that out. He's not just hitting lefties now. His his OPS against righties is eight thirty seven. Honestly, I don't give a crap if he still wasn't hitting righties. Lurie's hitting no one <laughs> at all. Like, Andy's not got the power that Vaughn has. I mean, Tim Tim has obviously, he's going through something these last few days because he has been an absolute disaster these last few days. You drove it the one run in Tim, one of the games. But, but Tim has been. 11-1 game. Tim has been as bad or worse than we've ever seen him over a stretch of a few games. And that is absolutely. Yeah. Defensively, but also offensively. He has, he has had a really bad couple days. I think today over four, Um, but that is not going to stay the case. So I think with Tim, what we're dealing with is he's in his head. Something's going wrong. Get him out of Cleveland. And I think actually he's going to be okay starting in this next series. Not as concerned about that. Leori, on the other hand, is not only not hitting at all. Let's give Leori credit for another one. And again, I don't, it's not like I have this personal distaste for Leori Garcia. He's screwed up today. Roberts, the the fly ball to deep right that you have a pretty good idea Reyes isn't going to catch because he didn't catch much of anything. And Robert has to hold up intelligently. That's what he has to do. There's nobody out. He needs to get to third, close game. And Leury comes running up his back so that when Robert turns past third, there's no choice but to send him home, even though he is out by, what, 20 feet, 30 feet? <laughs> because of hor- Now, that was just part of horrible base running that's gone on this, this past series. Andrew, Andrew Vaughn managing to... Uh, for no reason at all in a game where there's no chance trying to stretch a single into a double and then sliding somewhere into the middle of left field. Um, I mean, it's just been strange. It's, it's, it's a team that looks lost. And there's anything that can help a team not look lost. It's going to Minnesota for three games. So that should help. But a couple of the Minnesota pitchers have been doing okay. Basically they don't have any pitchers, but two of the ones that are doing okay, we've got to face. I I mean I'm really kind of at a loss. Um you know, we were we were 6 and 2 going into Sunday and now we're 6 and 6 and it has been some of the worst baseball I've ever seen this team play. And this is the team that we're supposed to win it all with. And and granted it is April 21st. Obviously, the season is not over. There is a long way to go. I still don't think we're going to win any, the division. Any any problems? However, the injuries keep stacking up, and unlike last year, the guys filling in for those guys are playing like crap. Yeah, it's not next man up like it like it was last year. Although exactly. I will say the, the the pitching filling in because we had to fill in two starters. 
and he had no sense of Velasquez and Lambert being able to do anything. They've done okay. They haven't done well, but they've done okay. They have not been Keikels. Honestly, both of them have exceeded my expectations. Yes. Now my expectations you were very low. However, however, we just needed them to hang in there, and they did do that. Even even when Velasquez gave up the four in the first inning, he actually pitched okay after that. And and if he's going to throw, what did he throw? Five innings, four innings. If he's going to throw that and only have four runs, I kind of view that as a game we should still win. And, and he, you know, he was up against Shane Bieber, I guess. So what are you going to – no, Keiko was up against Keiko's Shane Bieber. Keiko was against Bieber. Now, Keiko, let's just talk about this real quick. After the game, they're talking to Keiko, and he said that he didn't really – he it didn't have as huge of a problem with how he pitched. He said nine singles and a big hit. Well, I'll take that. Okay, I'm sorry. Nine <laughs> singles? How, how many places – how much room do you think you have to put guys on the bases? <laughs> Nine singles by default is six runs. <laughs> There's no way he, around it. He wasn't hit really, really hard except for Ramirez. But he was hit hard enough. I mean, they were hitting it on a line. They weren't – some of them were ground balls that got through. But there were line drives in there, most of them. Uh, and the not pitch... like he, was, he wasn't fooling anybody. The pitch that he threw to Jose Ramirez with the bases loaded, it you would you have to convince me that someone didn't slip him a twenty to do that. That pitch <laughs> was so bad. That pitch was embarrassingly terrible. Like I don't know if you saw that pitch, but that oh, was that's a pitch that I honestly think, and I never say this because I have respect for how good these guys are. That's a pitch that if I saw it a few times, I'm probably making contact. It was that much of a joke. It was just hung right over. I mean, I, I, even against, you know, the best pitchers, I'm, if I'm batting in Major League Baseball, I'm probably just going to swing straight down the middle every time and hope for the best. Well, I would have gotten a hit that time. That was, <laughs> that was put exactly where you want to swing the bat. Just absolutely ridiculous. You know, he's he's – saying, oh, I haven't seen guys play defense that bad, or, you know, his little tongue-in-cheek comment about the errors yesterday. Well, you still had eight earned runs in the first inning, Dallas. No, first two innings. First two innings, first two innings. But one inning of performance because he didn't get anybody out in the second one. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. And then Banks came out and was and was all world against the same team. Yeah. So let's let's uh, let's take our break here. We need to take a break. I do want to come back and I want to talk about Banks and uh, I want to talk a little bit more about pitching and then what we're going to do about these injuries moving forward, because there was more injury news in today's game. So uh, bear with us. uh, Stick around and we'll be right back on sharing socks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We uh, talked about the collapse uh, amidst the Guardians over the last few days. Um, We have seen some good things from the pitchers, not Keuchel and not necessarily uh, from from starters in general. Uh, However, Tanner Banks. Awesome. Just awesome. Just an incredible story. Dude's been in the minor leagues my entire life, finally gets to come up, play Major League Baseball, and is not only pitching well, which he is, but he's pitching like actually well, you know, versus the first Vince Velasquez outing where we say, oh, okay, that was actually a lot better than we thought. Well, it's because people were hitting the ball a thousand miles an hour, right? Two guys. Tanner Banks is pitching like a real pitcher. He, oh, yeah. he is looking really sharp. He's got multiple pitches that he seems to have excellent command of. Uh, what is going on? What is going on with hey, this guy? He pitched four perfect innings with just 11 batters. I don't know the last time anybody did that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's it's incredible. And, you know, is is this just a, a scenario of a guy coming up and they haven't figured out how to hit him yet? Or is this the scenario that you sometimes see of the guy finally got a chance at the show and he's proven to all of us that he should have been here the whole time. What, what do you think with Tanner Banks? I, not in a position to know. I, I, it is possible. I'm a believer in Ethan Katz. Uh, there are some things that have gone on that make me doubt myself about that, but I, but I, I am a strong believer in him. I, I think, for example, he turned Carlos Rodon into quite possibly this year, the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, by by altering his delivery and he's done yeah, what he done with with Lopez has been amazing uh getting people to use their lower body more shorten up their deliveries all that kind of thing it's what he did with Giolito years ago uh coming forward Cease. I'm speaking of uh, he's done with Cease Cease had a had a rough outing uh today um but basically has been quite good Giolito not terrible though not terrible outing just not no, no. Just not that no, great. It's yeah. okay, uh, but it was it was an inadequate performance, but not not solid. Uh, Giolito comes back Sunday, and I I will say this: I thought when Giolito and Lynn were both out uh, for an extended period of time, that if we came out of the period where both of them are gone, five hundred, that would be fine. And right now it looks like you know, good chance we're going to come out of the period where both of them are gone. Five hundred, certainly five hundred right now with two to go. Um, so uh, G. Lito comes back. Uh, I don't know who loses out. I guess. Well, Jimmy Lambert loses out. Yeah, That's Lambert is there. Lambert's clearly going. Uh, uh, the question then becomes how soon that we get uh, Johnny Cueto. They're kind of rushing Cueto, apparently. They're going to do three uh, rounds at uh, Charlotte uh, to get him ready for the majors. It's down to one round. They're probably going to bring Cueto up next week uh, so that Velasquez doesn't have to pitch again. 
or doesn't have to start. I'm sure he'll pitch, but he won't, he won't be starting. Uh, although I, I guess you could, <laughs> there's an argument to dump Keuchel instead of Velasquez right now. We, I don't know. I mean, Keuchel's first start was okay, I guess, but uh, there's no reason to keep him. I mean, you're Keuchel's first start was okay until inning number five when he'd thrown 60 pitches. And apparently, again, this thing, I'm sorry, I have a thing about the Hall of Famer baseball person, and I'm only two years younger than he is, so it's not an ageism thing. Keuchel's first everybody, we've talked about many times, Keuchel can't go past 60 pitches. That All of last season, that was the case. I saw somebody else write just in the last day or two, they're saying 50. Okay, somewhere in there. But certainly not more than the low, the low 60s. And yet, in his Keuchel's first game, where he did five for four innings, one one early homer, solo homer. It leaves him in in the fifth. Now there's two more runs. And, you know, and maybe that was so he could get his 100th win since the Sox were, had already scored four in the first inning. But I don't know. I, Keiko, maybe because he can't go many pitches, maybe we should be thinking of him as the long reliever and Tanner Banks as the starter. I think Banks has been a starter his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Banks has got a lot of potential as a starter. We haven't – I mean, he threw four innings of, of shutout ball uh, recently. With Keuchel, I mean, the key thing for Keuchel is that nobody ever sees him twice, especially a right-handed hitter. If if they see him twice, all bets are off. Sometimes if they see him once. However, if, if we can shift Keuchel, I don't even think he should shift to long relief. I think we should be looking at Keiko for one inning here and there. Uh, maybe when you've got a few lefties coming up, something like that. Because I do think that Dallas Keiko still has the ability to get guys out. But if they get more than one chance to look at him, it's just meat and potatoes after that. It's just way too easy to hit. It's so slow. The breaking balls can be really good. But once people see them, they can hit them. I, I'm not – a person who thinks Keuchel should go down to minor league baseball, I don't think that's going to help anything. I don't think it's going to no, do no. anything. But I do think that there's a situation where Dallas Keuchel comes in to pitch relief in games that you're down by five in the seventh. You know, just I, well, I think the other time that would be important uh, or possibly beneficial to use him is when you need a double play specifically. Sure. Because he's he's a very much a ground ball pitcher. They hit the ground balls very hard now, but that's a potential double play ball anytime he's in there. Especially uh, if you not can bring the way him our in infield's a... playing right now. But if our right. infield is playing decently, be that way. But if you can bring him in against a lefty with you know runners on on first and second or runner on first and one out, I mean that's a really good time to use him. That's a really good time to use him because you just need that one ground ball. Now, granted you got to really have him get that ground ball because <laughs> if the next guy coming up's right-handed, then you might have a three-run homer on your hands there. Uh, but I do think he still does have value as a ground ball pitcher. But starting games, I, I just don't see the use of it at all. So we'll, we'll get Giolito back. So you'll have Giolito, you'll have Cease, um, and then Kopech. Kopech, of course, and maybe Banks, maybe Velasquez, maybe Cueto, maybe Keiko. That is a ton of maybes 
when you're just talking about getting past the third starter. And our starters don't even, I mean, our starters are barely starters since they throw four innings, 4.2 innings, something like that. They're only starters in the sense that they show up and are pitching first. Uh, we we have yet to see a really, I mean, C's had a good good first outing, but we're, we're not seeing guys go deep into games at all still. And well, it's I, early, I think part of that is intent, and I won't blame the Hall of Fame baseball person for that because every manager has been doing that. I mean, sure, look what sure. happened in Los Angeles. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally get why that's why that's the case. I'm just saying we we don't really know if any of these starters are worth anything later into a game yet. Um, but I mean, we need Lance Lynn back bad. We need him back bad, and I just I think it's going to be end of May. I think that's with some really luck. Optimistic. With some luck. Yeah. Yeah. My guess would be mid June. Um. You know, he's a big dude. It's a bad injury. Uh, speaking of big dudes with bad injuries, Luis Robert pulled up short at the end of the game today. He's, uh, I'm reading on Twitter that it's a strained hamstring, uh, and La Russa has not ruled out putting him on the IL, uh, which, uh, holy cow, you know, how many more guys <laughs> can we lose? This you, that lineup we put out in the second game yesterday was offensive to the fans on every level, but we're also running out of guys. Uh, Pollock is supposed to be back tomorrow night. He's supposed to be back for the whole twin series. Are other teams, and I haven't watched a lot of other games, are other teams dealing with this at the same rate that we are? I, yeah, I, I, you know, not necessarily man for man, but in a general sense, yes. Because when, when we go into a game, if I'm working a game, I'll check the entry list for both teams. They tend to be similar. Okay. Because uh, it just seems absurd. I, I mean, we've, we have yet to field anywhere close to what I think the lineup will be for this team come October. And we have... We don't know when Makata will be back. Although I will say this, the missing Moncada, we certainly miss him. Berger has filled in nicely. He's not going to make you want a substitute, but he's hitting. He's hitting two sixty. Uh, his OPS is around six eighty. That's below average, but it's not a Lauri type embarrassment. It's holding your own as a substitute and doing well. It's doing better than Mendick would have, or Lauri would have, or anybody else would have at third. Uh, his defense, he was part of the debacle of the uh, the 11-1 to game. But basically, it's been okay. Um, yeah, he's been fine. Yeah, is you, on, is you on a better third baseman? Yeah, by by several notches. But it's been okay. He has not been responsible for losing ball games defensively. No, no, not at all. And, and we have to remember with Berger that He's really just sort of in his first few Major League Baseball games here. So we can't expect him to necessarily come out and be a a gold glove or a silver slugger. He's still very much learning the game at this level. Uh, Same with Sheets, who we saw do some cool things last year. But, you know, he's hitting okay, hitting around 220, um, not playing the field much at all. And, you know, he's still figuring things out. The issue with Sheets is that the pitchers are also still figuring things out with him. And I think that once they do, he's going to be really easy had a good, to get He out. had a good day today. Two singles. Yeah, it's all right. 
But, um, you know, we're not necessarily he's, looking he's for also, from Gavin uh, I forget which game of this series of bad games it was, but he misplayed a ball in right. Maybe it was the, the second game Thursday. I, I don't really remember. It wasn't one of those where, oh, my goodness, he, he should have absolutely had it. It was, hey, a good right fielder would have had that. Um, yeah. And that's going to happen. He's He's not a right fielder. Not at all. Not even sort of. Wouldn't even lie to you about it. <laughs> and and then the, of course the other thing on all our defense, and and Luis is guilty of this. I mean, gosh, he's all world in getting the ball. But he did this again. I think it was in the eleven to one game. They had a run coming home, and on a liner up the middle, and he threw it in. And I mean, he is trying to knock down the light posts. I, I don't know what he's trying to do. Bring a satellite out of the sky. I mean. They launch straight up into the air and come back down again. Pretty much nowhere near where they were supposed to be. They, they yeah. really got a – I don't – they didn't improve on this. Yes, you had a short spring training, but it was a huge problem last year, not just him, everybody. None of our guys in the outfield, with the possible exception of Adam Angle, know what a cutoff man is. Yeah. Uh, no clue. And they should have been – this is a manager's job, incidentally. I don't want to bring up anything about the manager, but this is a manager's job. Uh, and they, that's got to change. That's part of the terrible defensiveness. It's not just making errors. It's, it's making really bad fundamental mistakes. It's really bad fundamental work, baseball. What yeah. you do with the ball. Yeah, and, and I mean, this isn't even like new school versus old school thinking type stuff. This is just how do you get outs? Where do you throw the ball? Where do you stand? What route do you take to the ball? How do you scoop up a ball? Like, this is all really, you know, early on in practice high school baseball stuff. Uh, I don't get why these mistakes are the, the happening. The was supposed to be... What everybody said, when you're bad-mouthing, hiring Tony, whatever it was, he prepares teams better than anybody really prepares, really prepares. But they're not prepared. No, they are not at all. not prepared. They're not – at the instant when a ball gets hit, you don't have this sense of – in the outfield or even in the infield, but mostly in the outfield – that they have an idea of what they're going to do with the ball when they get it. It's like they get to the ball and then it's – uh, there's that guy. There's that guy. I guess I'll go for that one. Uh, it's just strange. It, it's not Major League Baseball, uh, and you got to hope it's pretty, that it's just it's pretty just a temporary things. thing because of uh, injuries and people out of position, and maybe it'll get back to what it should be. Got to hope that that's going to be the case, or it's going to be a long year, even if they win the division, which I still think is going to happen, just because the division is. But it won't. But but it won't happen if they keep playing like that. No, I mean, I they, they, Cleveland looked good the last three days. The last thing you ever want to do with an opponent is give them confidence. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, really, just did that. And again, uh, say this a, a thousand times: it's very early in the year. But as we have been saying, these are not complicated things. These are not, you know, making making extremely smart plays against great teams uh we're talking about really basic basic fundamental baseball stuff and the white Sox, who carry sort of a too cool for school attitude which i love 
Um, you can't play with that attitude and play the way that they're playing. You look like an idiot. And, I mean, you're seeing it up here above me with Tim flipping off the crowd, which is such a Bush League garbage thing to do. Which and, you, you really don't expect from him. I, I, no. I wouldn't have expected from him. I mean, which tells you tells he's you very emotional, he, but he usually is emotional kind of within himself. Yes. Um, that wasn't Especially it. when you're talking about responding to your – his own mistakes. He's just playing like crap, and yet he's flicking off the fans. That just tells me something is up in Tim's head this week. We need to just get him out of Cleveland, get him a, a fresh start somewhere, because he is his head's not in the game at all. He's taking horrible routes to the baseball. Lori has, I don't think, taken one good route to a baseball yet this year. The outfield, of course, with the exception of Luis and Angle, lost in terms of, of – how to move towards a, a fly ball or a ground ball. This is what is so concerning <laughs> early on. You know, the pitching has actually been okay. I did see an interesting breakdown uh, from someone on Twitter that, uh, you know, Hendricks has not been quite as Hendricksy as we're used to. Yeah, he certainly uh, hasn't. But, but uh, this fellow on Twitter, and I can't remember his name, but sorry about that if I know you're listening, uh, but showed that Hendricks is – intensely tipping his pitches and when you got two of them uh tipping them makes you infinitely easier to hit and the diagram was very good it showed that when liam's throwing a fastball the hitter cannot see the ball before it's coming out of his hand and when he's throwing a breaking ball he's holding it right here whoa and it's on every single pitch and now that is something that I'm sure Ethan Katz is looking he can, at he can correct that and, and saying, what the hell are you doing, man? But again, that's just fundamental stuff. I mean, at, at what point in your career were you ever told, were you ever not told to do the opposite of that? Like you're, you're going to show them your fingers for a breaking ball every time. Well, you know, as we said, with, with the Astros cheating scandal, it was so bad because the batter gains an enormous advantage if they know what's coming. Like, it, not not a little one, not a little one, an enormous advantage. And if you're talking about major league level hitters and they're seeing the ball and they know what pitch is coming before the guy even brings it back, well, they're able to adjust their timing really, really well. They know that they don't have to sit on that fastball. They don't have to sit on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. They can just take that out of their heads and know that they're going to get something in the mid-80s that's breaking across the plate. And, you know, hopefully that's fixed as soon as his next outing. It has to be. Because if you're going to tip pitches like that as a closer who only throws a couple pitches, well, I mean, we saw they're hitting the ball hard off of Liam. Uh, So it's just these things that, you know, and again, not to put it all on the Hall of Fame baseball person, but these are coaches' jobs. This is coaches' jobs. And I get that these are pro athletes who are making millions of dollars, and they should be doing it on their own. Yes, you're right. Absolutely, they should be doing these things on their own. But there's also a whole staff of guys who are also getting paid a decent amount of money to just say, hey, don't do that. And hey, do this. And that's it. That's all they get paid for. This is baseball. That's it. That's what the coaches are getting paid for. And it's not happening. It's not Correction, happening. Though, they can never, you should never say, 
as a coach, don't do that. You always say, do this instead, because don't do that puts that in their head last thing. That, that's the Rick Pitino lesson that I got and tried to employ as a coach myself, and I'm sure failed many times. But that was the basic. Don't people tell people, don't do this. Say, you don't say, don't tip your pitches, because three-fourths of that is tip your pitches. <laughs> right. You right. go, make sure you hide the ball in your mitt. That, that's Right. And I, I, of course, can't say that the White Sox have been using the, the wrong language or anything, <laughs> but uh, it certainly feels that way. Because if they're in there telling Tim, don't mess up every ground ball that comes to you, he is certainly at this point hearing mess up every ground ball that comes to you. Uh, yeah, this has just been a, a dreadful, dreadful few days of White Sox baseball. It really has felt like, you know, 2011, 2012. 2011 and 12 were fine. It was after 13 that started 13, going. That, yeah, so 13, apart. 14, 15. Oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, so that's about all the time we have for today. Do you have anything else you want to talk before we uh, start up against the Twins? Well, I think we've been griping enough. Let's just say against the Twins, we'll straighten this all out. It's a moderately long flight to Minnesota to uh, get their heads straight and uh, play well starting Friday night. Yeah, I, I will say I I don't expect this nonsense to carry on. Hopefully – these guys are getting on each other on the on the commute uh, to get their head back in the game. Long way to go. This is a really bad look with 150 games left. But the good news is there's 150 games left. And uh, we don't have to worry nearly as much about what's going on right now as long as it gets fixed and gets fixed soon. And uh, I still have faith in our guys, especially oh, even yeah. if people get healthy. Uh, I think it's still going to be a hell of a season. So uh, that is all the time we have for today. Hopefully next week we are sitting in here going, you know, last week when we just had to rip them a new one, uh, we just we were hoping we wouldn't have to do that again. And thank goodness they are they are five and zero oh since we had that conversation. Uh, that's, that's you should have said that for. because once we just once we declared Luis all world, he went over twenty. So let's. And then got hurt. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, this week's going to be a disaster. See you next week after we get swept by the Twins. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on Sharing Sock.